Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. springtime uh, feels a little bit like summertime that also means that we are heading into prime cookout season you'll note that i did not say barbecue season um we have memorial day right around the corner in a couple weeks and then the fourth of july is not long after that and those are two of the biggest times of the year i would imagine for people to fire up the grill and Slap some meat discs down mm. and uh, grill up some hamburgers. And uh, Max and I did that today. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, Max went to a restaurant and had them do it for him. Yeah, uh, I did it at home. Uh, but the difference is, I think, uh, neither of us uh, used cow meat. That's right. Or, or no, any meat no cows that. were harmed. No animals were harmed in the eating of our... Of our burgers. Yes. So Yeah, except for you guys' stomachs because you probably ate them ravenously. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so uh, there, there are two companies that have been uh, heavily in the news lately mm-hmm. uh, for their innovative approach to hamburgers. Yes. Um, Beyond, uh, it's called Beyond, is the company Beyond Meat or is it Beyond Foods? Oh, it's Beyond oh. Meat and Impossible Foods. Those yes, are the two companies. Yes. Those are the uh, two brand names. So, uh, Impossible, the Impossible Burger is currently out in a smattering of restaurants around the country and is on its way to grocery yes. stores. And then the Beyond Burger is kind of going in reverse. It's starting in grocery stores, but notably... Uh, Oh, no, that's also impossible. Burger King is going to be serving impossible burger Whoppers in all of its stores by the end of the year. So uh, meatless, meatless burgers, they're on the rise. Oh, it's Meatless Monday. Nice. Meatless Monday. And and I I will say you two um, did the burgers, and I actually went to the Beyond Meat website and cooked uh, a recipe from them, which is essentially the recipe I was going to make anyways this evening, but it just happened to be with, uh, well, it's very similar to one that's been posted on our website, uh, that, that I did, which is basically just, uh, beans and tomatoes and some kind of greens. And I just added the sausage, which was the beyond meat Italian sausage. Um, and I should add, you know, beyond meat is worth celebrating, especially because they're very much, uh, the capitalists. They just had their initial public offering last week. Now Ooh. they have said that we might never turn a profit, uh, which is very interesting with the company that's putting something in grocery stores. They have a product that they're selling. Um, but I, I guess first and foremost, I, this is, this really hit me and I was talking about people and I want to get your take before we even get into how tasty these things are or are not. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is branded, not meat. It's one thing if Burger King or 
know, Subway or Taco Bell had a partnership with a, a hot sauce maker or a condiment maker or even a bun maker. I believe Arby's has um, occasionally has a King's Hawaiian bun. But yes. this is the this is the main thing. Uh, I mean, Max, does that does that strike you as something that's going to have the staying power? People, as we all did, go somewhere because the the meat, quote unquote, the the focal point of these dishes is now a branded item. Um, I think maybe in the starting phases of this, but I think there will certainly be competitors. I don't think it'll take that long for for Costco to have their own Kirkland fake meat burgers. Um, so if you're suggesting that people will go specifically out of their way to get a specific brand of fake meat, I don't know if that's like, do people go out of their way to get Tyson chicken when there's other chicken available? I think once the technology is, is kind of settled and, and perfected, there's going to be copycats all over the place. I, I actually kind of disagree. I, I think that, so I would say for starters, uh, Costco almost certainly has a Kirkland fake meat already. They probably have several or at least meat alternatives. Um, you know, non non animal protein uh, meat style patties are hardly a new thing. I've eaten a lot of Boca burgers. I I think the difference is there's these companies are getting it right, and 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 well. When I say getting it right, I mean they are really probably doing the best job that anyone has ever done of making you forget that you are not presently eating meat. Yes. And and that's kind of the I've I've joked before, but having just had the sausage now, it is kind of weird, which is when you have vegetarians and vegans and they say oh you know eating for whatever reason eating meat is bad and i think we're going to get into some some reasons that resonate a little bit more with me later um they say eating meat is bad but then they have this product that is supposed to be like like sausage which is kind of weird because you're still getting kind of the in some ways i guess the oral fixation and experience of eating meat but it's not meat which seemed has always seemed odd to me but here i have you know i had the sausages you guys had the burgers and when it reacts in a way that you expect meat to react it kind of snaps or or it it cooks um the way you expect meat as opposed to something like tofu it's clear that there has been research and science into this and max uh you kind of uh alluded to something well you didn't allude to it because i think you have to know about it to elude but um tyson foods incorporated was a 6.5 percent uh they had a stake of that and beyond meat and they sold it before the ipo because they want to make um their own alternative protein products so this is this is the coming wave truly um so i i want to i want to pull on something that you said uh about uh, uh, why these why these things are are existing or or are are more prominent now and the the question of whether uh we'll see more sort of branded collaborations soon mm-hmm. i yes. think the answer is yes and here is why uh mcdonald's doesn't have a vested interest in you eating beef per se 
McDonald's has a vested interest in you eating anything at McDonald's. Yes. And already you have people who are uh, who are vegetarian or vegan who would say there's nothing for me at McDonald's. And those people are getting boxed out and they they are a, a population that to a certain extent can't eat there. So it's in McDonald's interest, you know, or, or or some, you know, Taco Bell. It's in their interest to undertake product offerings if it's reasonable that can bring those people in. But also to go ahead and kind of direct into, you know, the reasons why one might opt for a Beyond Burger in their life as opposed to a, a cow hamburger. Um, you know, plenty of people... Uh, are either officially vegan or eat a diet that is occasionally vegan or, or just cut you know cuts down on meat and animal products uh, for purposes of uh, concern for the environment. Uh, yeah. New York Times food section did a package uh, I, sometime in the last week or 10 days um, about the environmental impact of the food that we eat and yeah. and uh, the impact of making certain changes to your diet. Uh, and, you know, I, I think my my entree into that package was uh, their uh, they they used their Instagram story to talk about the uh, the level of emissions uh, that emissions and uh, environmental resources that go into uh, producing different kinds of milk, um, mm-hmm. and it is—it's just—it's staggering how much more environmental drain there is to make a liter of cow's milk than there is to make a liter of, say, soy milk. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, animal protein is the same way, and, and beef and lamb in particular are are really bad for the environment. They require lots of land. Cows, as as we've heard, are are polluting our our air with horrible butt gas. Yeah, um, and, and and burps. Apparently, it's actually yeah the burps that are particularly bad. And so, is, you know, they're they're essentially as part of the the well deserved uh, environmental fear mongering that's going on right now because that fear needs to be mongered. Uh, we're being told, hey, it would be really good for our ability to keep a viable functioning planet around uh, longer for you to live on if you maybe ate less meat and drank less yeah. cow milk. So yeah. over time, you know, I, it's it's hard to imagine as uh, as younger generations are growing up and, and becoming the... The, the focal generations of society in whatever, you know, whether that be from policymaking perspective, whether that be from a purchasing power perspective, you know, uh, we're not going to regress on whether or not uh, we should eat less meat and drink less milk. The, the demand for alternatives is only going to increase. And so I think you're going to see these places that have long made a living on beef on the backs of cows uh, find it advantageous 
to to keep expanding their offerings to you know to do this um so uh i think you know i i i do want to get to 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 this quickly um which is that you mentioned the environmental concerns today when we're recording uh monday the uh may 6th um the and let me get their name right because i want to give them credit but a un group called the Intergovernmental Science Policy Platform on Biodiversity and Ecosystem Services, IPBES, released a report. And the findings of the report is a quarter of all species on Earth are endangered, are not endangered, but they are threatened in some way, in large part because, and unfortunately, humans are not one of the threatened species. We're doing fine to the detriment of pretty much everybody else. Um, and from that, you know, kind of related to that, one thing that has been bandied about a little bit over the last, uh, you know, couple months is the planetary health plate diet. And that kind of goes the same time as this beyond meat. And really, Sean, what you're talking about a lot is people's changing attitudes and, and consumerism as, as it relates to mm-hmm. food. Um, lifestyle changes are becoming, it affects the products we have and there are other products by just like you know, Max, I know you and I both remember the days of you could sit in the smoking section if you really wanted. But, you know, lifestyles and habits have changed for the better here. And so you've got this uh, planetary health plate diet. And then just to, to very quickly, you know, have you guys gawk a little bit about, oh, what does that mean? But it's very, uh, you know, plant um, plant heavy, a lot of fruits and vegetables, not even very many uh, potatoes that, is starchy vegetables but just regular ones um per day if you want beef lamb or pork you may have 14 grams of it so over the course of a week if you don't eat any beef or or lamb you can have a quarter pounder that that's the equivalent of a week if you save up for a month you can have a steak so max does that sound like something you'd get behind immediately no, <laughs> no. <laughs> i'm shocked <laughs> do you think that your experience with the impossible burger though could make it a, if there are more products like that where they are really thinking about um you know trying to make something that is similar to that as we wean ourselves off of these very intensive for carbon footprint uh you know products is, is would that make it easier for you if those started popping up everywhere yeah absolutely so I take it that you were um, heartened or, or at least, it, well, heartened maybe in that your heart was not as clogged as it would be <laughs> if you ate a regular burger, right? Uh, um, probably not. They still have a lot of fat in them, but no, not not the same animated animal saturated fats and what, yeah. whatnot. Um, so, uh, well, so I, I can... I can say also one thing I worry about this, and I don't know what you ran into tonight, but uh, I worry about cost. I always think of this as yep. being more expensive. Definitely veganism. I will say that the sausages, which was a fourteen ounce package, so pretty normal sausage package, uh, it, which is a funny term to say, uh, is was uh, nine dollars. I think that normally that same package of sausages is probably you know topping out five or six so um that that's a hit but i tell myself that 
maybe some of the amphibians or the lemurs can survive if I start making decisions like this. I mean, Ma- Max, what was your, you went to a restaurant and sat down and had an impossible burger. What, what, how much was the burger? I, d- I did because they don't seem to have impossible burgers at um, grocery stores, as you discussed. The burger mm-hmm. was $17. How much was the beef version? You know, let me let me check on that. I'm not sure. Listen, just to go beyond the hood a little bit, we did That's a lot wild. of research for this this pod, so I'm proud of us. But we're working on it. But yeah, that I, is didn't, a, I just didn't check. Uh, I, I knew was, what I was getting going to the restaurant, so I, I I should have compared. But I um I'm the intern is checking the the menu of the restaurant I went to. I will I say it sounds like you went to a, a place where burgers are just wildly expensive, because I did some looking. Yeah, you were you were able you had more time between uh, when you left the office and got home than I did. So you were able to go to a place where you could sit down and have them cook you one. I had to go find I just had to go get it at the grocery store and take it home pretty quickly. Um, but I, I did some looking at the places that offer the Impossible Burger here in Charlottesville right now. And uh, I was surprised to find that one is uh, Luther Burger which is inside Sugar Shack Donut Shop. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, where that. an Impossible Burger was $9. Oh. Um, also. I don't, you can't get a regular <laughs> burger in Boston for $9. Fair enough. Uh, quick digression. Uh, Luther Burger, so named uh, for Luther Vandross, who, yeah. as legend has it, uh, was making a burger one day, realized he didn't have a bun, but he had a box of donuts. Um, yeah. and, and the rest was uh, sweet, heart-clogging it's, history. And somehow he wasn't in a fraternity house when that happened, I don't believe. (laughs) Um, Yes, Max. So my Impossible Burger was $17. Uh, Their normal beef burger is $14. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, again, the thing I'd point to is these are people that are on the forefront. uh, You know, really the... I don't know if it's a cutting edge or a bleeding edge. I know that those tumors mean different things. And I do mean it here because... I'm sure that they've studied it and it's made out of peas and stuff. The Impossible Burger seems to have some more curious qualities. Um, So it might be something really good or down the road we decide that maybe we can't do them in the quantities that are demanded. Uh, I I don't know, but you are paying for a branded product. It's not like in-house, you know, Burger Place has their own version of it that is competitive. I mean, a black bean burger, another thing that's happened for a while – those don't cook like regular burgers do. Right. You can't put them on the grill the same way. That is one of the amazing things about these these products. And, and we're not trying to buzz market them. I just cooked with the sausage. I can attest to the fact that they there's a lot of care put into them, making them react the same way you're used to in those ingredients. And you know, as with all things, you end up paying for their research and development, even if they've they've made it all back. Well, um, and, and so. you and I, so you and I bought Beyond products, and I, mm-hmm. I brought, uh, I brought Beyond burger patties home, and and cooked one in a cast iron skillet on my stovetop, uh, and I was, I was very surprised by how similar to the experience of cooking a beef hamburger I had, you know, there was there was some pleasant smoking. There was, you know, uh, there was browning on the the faces that were uh, that were touching the pan at the time. Got a good kind of crisp outer crust. The only thing that I think d- 
didn't really show up was, you know, when you're cooking a beef patty, you can kind of see it. You can see the color move up the sides and it wasn't the same, you know, it wasn't the same, but the beyond company is also known for using uh, this compound uh, from that. I, I believe comes from soy that, can give it kind of a, a bleeding aspect like cooking a burger might. And, and yeah. so like the, the experience was really similar. And, you know, I, I also noticed, you know, even, even saving, you know, at the grocery store as compared to a restaurant, there definitely was a, a significant price premium. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we've gone all this time and haven't really talked a whole lot about, whether or not these things tasted any good. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going <laughs> to launch into that, Max. Um, you know, uh, I, I I can say that, and I had something different than you. I think you two had pretty much a quintessential American dish, which is a cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, I really just needed a protein to put in there, which is ultimately how I've, uh, more and more I kind of eat, which is, oh, I should have some protein. And it was good for that. I would say that it's it was tasty. It had kind of the the spiciness and kind of the whatever herbs and spice mix that you have in in a sausage. And it was you know the consistency, the chewiness. It was like a sausage. Maybe you don't want that. Maybe you don't want something that is like a sausage because that weirds you out. I totally get it. But for me, it's I meant to cook actually two lengths of that and two lengths of regular sausage because i was going to make regular sausage this evening anyways um decided against that but i think i wouldn't have there might have been a little bit more flavor because it tasted like a chicken sausage what i was gonna have but all in all i would i would totally do it again it's just i'll remember that it costs more next time and uh i'll have to weigh that with how i feel about the planet but you know max you you went and had someone prepare for you the quintessential american dish in America's quintessential sports city, and America's all about sports. So, really, your experience is very important. D- were you? Did you swoon? Um, a little bit. Yeah, it was. Um, it was good. So, I, I I took some pictures, and I you know I tried to pay attention and take notes as I'm as I'm eating, which was a little odd because I was I was with a coworker who was not eating, <laughs> but they knew what I was doing, so it was okay. <laughs> Um, right off the bat, I, I can just talk about it a little bit. I'd say that it looked, um, just like beef. Uh, Mm -hmm. I didn't get to see it raw, but cooked, it looked a lot like beef. Um, I tried to, you know, take a little piece of just the patty off and try that on its own. Uh, it smelled a little off. It wasn't necessarily a bad smell, but it wasn't a good smell. I'm realizing I'm not giving it a lot of, uh, descriptive qualities here, but it, it was just a little odd. Um, the texture was a little grainy. It was sort of like a a dry overcooked beef. The color was a little too red at points. Um, but then you put it all together. And so it was served on a potato bun with lettuce and tomato and guacamole. Apparently the whole dish was vegan, which I didn't realize. Uh, you put it all together. It was delicious. Um, when you're eating it with the toppings and and everything else, you really, I could have, at times, I was, you know, captivated in the conversation. I, I wasn't paying attention to the fact that I was not eating beef. Um, and I, 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 you know, I picked apart these little things about how it seemed a little dry, a little grainy, things like that. But if you put it next to a beef burger, I think those comparisons would be different. 
Um, also, in general, I was very impressed. It was it was were good. You eating it at like a bar or was this a place that probably has decent food? Um, it was a place that probably has decent food. Oh, uh, because I was going to say the average bar burger might be <laughs> the 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 qualities that you felt were lacking. Like <laughs> the average bar burger is probably not better than what you're describing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, Sean, you you majors in in the comforts of your own apartment. Um, do you and different different vendor, but uh, how how was the 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 take? So I went very much for what you would think of as like a kind of classic hamburger. I made a I made a cheeseburger, potato roll, American cheese, lettuce, tomato, a uh, little bit of mayo on the bun, ketchup, mustard. Uh, I, I've kind of already talked about my my cooking experience. Uh, I was able to see the patty raw. It looked a lot like ground beef. Um, it had the same sort of red color. Uh, it was less... It was good. It tasted good. It um, it definitely it filled my kitchen with smoke, uh, which was not surprising. I guess it may be as much a, a function of cast iron and canola oil as as whatever you put in the pan. Uh, but it got you know it got a good char on it, so it had a, it had the mix of textures that you want in a good burger, where there's a crisp outside and some nice chewy meat inside. Um. There was some sort of smoky taste. I mean, I think, I think really, it tasted like a cookout burger. It was fine. It, it's not. I would never, knowing what I know now, I would never go into a, a Beyond Burger. I would never bite in expecting, like a, you know, the best hamburger I've ever eaten. Uh, I, I I don't think, and I think there's a certain. A certain je ne sais quoi that tearing into animal flesh with your teeth can uh, can provide alone that 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 soy cannot. Um, but you know, I could definitely, I could definitely see incorporating. Not that I'm eating a ton of burgers anyway, but I could see working these into the rotation. You know, yeah. I, I think that would be a. I think that would be a great thing to do for the environment. You know, for my for my arteries. I enjoyed cool. it. And and one thing that uh, I was doing some looking at some research, it was uh, Harvard Sustainability. Uh, they did some stuff on what local means. And, and what's in there and really is just uh, unsettling as, as we're having this discussion is that, you know, uh, we, we have all fortunately been to the UK. One of us has been to uh new zealand max max did you have lamb in new zealand i assume you did yes okay so if you you could have that same lamb in the uk um in england specifically where they do have a lot of lamb and they grow it there the carbon footprint of your new zealand lamb in england is less than if you had the lamb the importing into england the the lamb from new zealand has less of a carbon footprint than eating lamb raised in England because uh, the lamb in New Zealand is uh, there's a lot of hydroelectric power use. So whatever power you need to to raise the lamb in New Zealand is based off of uh, you know there's not the carbon footprint there, and then it's shipped. And shipping 
is uh, the most efficient way that we transport uh, goods, especially, you know, meat or vegetables or whatever it is. So <laughs> when we think about localism and these choices that we make, it's a really weird web of stuff. And you could, I would also point out that if you wanted something in Boston that was flown from Chicago, actually shipping something from Asia to uh, the West Coast to California is a smaller carbon footprint impact than that flight from Chicago to Boston. So, you know, we think about localism and we think of, oh, I, you know, this is better because um, it's, it's coming from Pennsylvania as opposed to Brazil. It might not be. But one thing we can do, obviously, is if you take the, you know, once a week, twice a week, whatever you do, or, or all entirely, taking the methane burping cow out of your diet uh, might be the easiest way to, to change those practices and go from the, the smoking section to the non-smoking for the whole restaurant. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think what, what's important from what you said is just, you know, if you are... If you are doing something for a purpose, make sure that you are are you know not conflating that purpose with another purpose. So you know, I, I think what you what you shed light on is that you know locavore eating is good for different things than environmentally conscious eating is. So you can't, uh, you know, if you're going. If you have multiple priorities, it's important to make sure that you're trying to balance them appropriately. But, you know, if you're a single issue voter, so to speak, uh, just, you know, do some research. Make sure that what you're doing is actually accomplishing the end that you are trying to reach and not uh, not actually doing the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. So if you are trying to have less of a footprint and you're doing that planetary health plate diet and you're buying all these vegetables because they're from this side of the Mississippi River, you know, you might have to pause and think about it and wonder if the vegetables that are from Brazil are actually having, if you're focused on the, the footprint of it, um, which is, I think that's a lot for consumers to think about. And in some ways, the product that we all enjoyed this evening simplifies it. Well, it, you know, and, and we would, we would probably... In a lot of situations, we would probably all be well served by slowing down and taking a little more time and putting a little more thought into what we do. Because, you know, because local focused eating really is good for some things. It's just not necessarily the best thing for the planetary environment. So, like, you know, I, I don't don't uh, don't listen to this and, and take from it that we think you know, trying to eat food that's raised close to you is a bad thing. It's not. Um, no, and, not and more more people, I think, I think we would also be better off if more people did that because it would lead, you know, <clears throat> it leads to more, you know, kind of connection and, and feeling like you have a stake in what you're eating. You know, it leads to mm. good things like community-supported agriculture. Like, those are great things, um, even if they are not... Uh, reversing the tides of climate change that we are uh, we are speeding up with all of our beef eating. Yeah, yeah, and and I I think we've we've made clear on this, but yeah, n none of us here are are uh, you know vegans or, or vegetarians. I think we've talked about this before. They're a little more conscious, but you know, 
I it's it's not something that that I would do other than than this this report today about all the species that are dying in part because of our choices. It does make me think. Well, I do like the planet. There's some pretty stuff here, and that's why we go anywhere. It's it's really to see pretty stuff that we haven't seen before. And I'd like to be able to continue to go see pretty stuff um, and not have it ruined by methane burps, um, except you know, except the ones we make because you know we gotta we gotta stay here and not let the cows take over. So it's a balance. All right. So, if you have thoughts on environmentally focused eating, local focused eating. Uh, why we're wrong and you should be eating more beef, not less. Uh, you're wrong about that one, uh, but come find us on Facebook or Twitter at Pretty okay Pod and let us know what you think. Uh, okay, we will move on now as we do every week to Pierce is Sorry. And uh, what is on the apology docket today? Um, so as, as I know you both are aware, uh, the Game of Thrones season is now, what is four six so 66.6 percent uh of the way through its final season uh and a couple weeks ago i was going to buy a beer uh to buy some beer to watch that with um and one of our favorite uh brewers uh, commonwealth brewing company which is based in i believe virginia beach yeah virginia beach um had a new beer it is called sticks um, and last year they had a beer and I think they'll have it again called Leafy. And those of you who are thinking this way, um, would know that those are both rivers in Hades. Now, most people are not thinking that way. And what I'm apologizing for this week is that, and, and you all are aware of it, but, uh, I will allude to things, um, that not everyone is aware that I'm alluding to. And with people I'm close to, that's that's fine, and I don't really care. Then I can be like, I know we you do. well enough. I, I know you well enough to to be like, well, you should know this because you know you're probably a a, a a bright human. But I I was kind of in a position the other day where the uh, the the local beer monger at at Arrowine, uh, who uh, is, is is actually a really great guy, um, I. I mentioned uh, sticks as oh maybe that's too perfect a beer for watching Game of Thrones. Thinking about the particular episode and how dark it was going to be, and a river in Hades made a lot of sense. And that illusion caused him to blink at me because he didn't know what I meant, and he thought I was just talking about the alcoholic volume in the beverage because it was a a five percent beer as opposed to an eight percent. But in my mind, there was one called Lethe, and it's called Sticks, so you should know. But he looked at me like I'm ready to leave. So, I would assume um, that two of the three people on this Skype call just learned that right now. So, I thought everybody knew about the river sticks. Y- yeah, you didn't mention just one river in Hades, my guy. Yeah. So, well, I had to look did, up last. You did the thing that you apologized for just now. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I, and I'm apologizing <laughs> to these outsiders who doesn't brand. know that I do this. So. You're right. Um, As always, you remain true I'm, to yourself. I'm, I'm sorry for for making <laughs> a a person I don't know very well uncomfortable by my illusions that were only understood by me. So. Fair enough. Um, all right, we will close the show uh, as we do with a big idea from pop culture. And uh, this week, 
I, I I've been thinking about um, uh, an essay that I read on uh, BuzzFeed News uh, probably a week ago. Uh, the the thrust of which was uh, why are why are celebrities so damn sensitive uh, and, and so bad at handling even mild criticism? And it, it was, you know, the, the piece was written at least partially in response to a series of kind of confrontations between uh, celebrities and, and people whose, uh, whose profession is writing, reporting, commenting about, uh, about celebrity and entertainment. And, and there were a number of examples. There was, uh, Ariana Grande, uh, talking about how people who write for all them blogs are, you know, their lives are so empty. Uh, you know, pod favorite Stephen Hyden, uh, wrote a column that was pretty, uh, pretty critical of Colin Jost, but I didn't think particularly undeservedly so. And Michael Che with, uh, responded with a, a series of Instagram stories that, you know, included uh, saying that Stephen Hyden had sex with rescue dogs. Um, yeah. And uh, and perhaps most disappointingly to me, uh, Lizzo uh, saying that... Uh, people who are who review albums but have never been professional musicians should be unemployed and i have a problem with that for a number of reasons uh first of all it's a pretty shitty thing to say that someone should be unemployed someone should lose their job um for for most reasons that don't involve them being a secret or not actually that secret nazi um two this was in response to a pretty tame uh, set of criticism in a pitchfork review. Yeah. Uh, and I was, I was fairly certain that the pitchfork set is not really Lizzo's target audience. Um, no. And, and most disappointingly, um, it's kind of, it's slightly tarnished my experience with the new Lizzo album, which I think is pretty good. Um, and, you know it, Lizzo. I don't want to step on. Uh, I don't want to step on stuff that's going to be on uh, prettyokpod.com soon. But our our friend and, and contributor Megan is writing about uh, about a, a girl group who whose uh, mission statement is all about um, empowering people and inspiring confidence. And that was the thing. That was like the thing that people said about Lizzo. Lizzo's music is yep. all about feeling yourself all the time, being confident, yep. not giving a fuck what people say about you. And Which is, I've seen her twice live, and that's exactly how she was both times. Yeah. Um, and going out and, and tweeting that people who review albums should be unemployed is the exact opposite of not giving a fuck about the haters. It's just, it's, it's really disappointing. Um, and, and I, I don't, I don't dislike the album because of it. The album is still fun. There are songs that are, you know, there are songs that make me feel better about myself. 
you know there's a, a song with a cool missy elliott verse um there's a, a song that tells a guy named jerome to get the fuck out of here um you is know is that an erica badu cover i i don't know maybe okay <coughs> oh that's tyrone sorry but it, um similar song similar concept. you know and, and so so now i'm just like i'm i'm bummed out uh I'm, I'm bummed out that any of my thoughts about the lizzo album are are now wrapped up in her response to a review that wasn't glowing praise um you know and I, I, I think the i think the phenomenon of of boomers uh criticizing our generation for being sensitive and unable to take criticism is largely overblown uh, but i think society's you know uh, coverage of celebrities being sensitive and unable to take criticism has been kind of underblown it's really it's wild this piece I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes but they they talk about you know chance the rapper getting uh getting a post pulled off of mtv's website uh, because it wasn't uh, doing the appropriate level of chance service, and uh, and it's it gets it's distressing for a number of reasons, uh, not not least of which is, um, you know, I don't want to have to listen to somebody's album and think like, oh, did they tell a critic they should get fired because they gave them a six point five instead of a. 9.2 for their album it just yeah it was a bummer um and i i want i want lizzo to be popular i want her music to to reach people and inspire them and empower them and so you know i i was i was disappointed uh, by yeah. that development well i i think that you know as maxwell knows uh that's that's why Paul Simon has stayed strong for so long because neither he nor any of his fans uh, know how to use the internet box machine. So there's nothing to that's IBM internet box machine. They don't <laughs> they don't know how the IBMs work. So. Watson does it for us. <laughs> yeah, oh Watson does God. it for him. So that everyone is, you know, ignorance is is good as as someone once said. Right. Oh, uh, on that note. Uh, that is the end of the show. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Pretty OK Pod or at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com. Uh, you can get every episode of our show there or subscribe to our feed on your device of choice. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are definitely on Spotify. Um, if you have another podcast app that you use and you can't find us, drop us a line at it's pretty okay at gmail.com and we will try to get that worked out for you. If you are a subscriber, thank you. Please do us one more favor. Leave a rating, review, comment, that sort of thing. Or tell a friend about the show. We would love to share it with them as well. We'll be back again next week, as always, to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm here. I'm Max. Thanks for listening. Bye.